Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. My name is Tim Barton, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Vine, and I have a confession to make this morning. I don't like to cry. Some of you who've seen me for a few years are like, really? Are you sure? (laughs) I I don't like to cry. And in addition to that, I really, 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 for many years, in my home, in ministry, I've wanted to help stop the tears. I've wanted to help stop the pain. I've wanted to help make things new and right in all sorts of situations. I remember walking into my house when my oldest was a toddler and he's sitting in the floor whimpering when I walked in. And I saw him there and I said, I kind of looked at my wife, Carrie Ann, and she was like, yeah, I don't know, I've tried. (laughs) And I said, hey, buddy, why are you crying? I not know, Daddy, but I am. And he ran to me into my arms. And I remember that feeling, that feeling that if there was anything in the world I could do to help him stop crying right then and comfort him, I would do it. But God continues to teach me over and over again that it's not my job It's not my calling as a husband, as a father, as a pastor even, or as a friend to stop the pain or to stop the tears. I'm a slow learner, so I have to learn this over and over again. But it's not my job to do that because I'm not the Savior. I'm not Jesus. He's the one who will ultimately stop the mourning and the pain and the sadness, the tears, the hurt. He will ultimately do that in the new heavens and new earth. And we're gracious and we're thankful that he is gracious to show us that at times along the way. You know, we often think as we walk in the Christian life, We think, well, I'm growing stronger when I can experience this this pain and this hurt and kind of just put it aside and move on. We think that's strength sometimes. Or or when we can ignore the hurt we feel, move past the pain without crying. And and we're conditioned that way. Not not necessarily always taught that, but we observe it, right? In our Christian subculture, we, we observe that. We feel like we have to either put on the strong front and pretend we're not hurting or the opposite of that is, and that is we walk in despair because we feel like we can no longer pretend. But God shows us over and over again. He shows us in his word that his people can cry out to him 
can be okay wrestling with our thoughts before God. We can mourn the brokenness we feel. We can learn then to pause, to understand it for what it is, and to grieve while we look to Jesus. What we need to learn to do, and this feels poignant for many of us right now, for many different scenarios, but we need heartfelt and honest talking to God through the struggles in this life. Heartfelt and honest talking to God through the struggles in this life. And and another word for that is we need to understand and engage in biblical lament. Now, I use that, and, and you're, some of you just had the thought, wait, I thought we were talking about Romans. We're going to pause on that for this week. Um, and we're going to go to Psalm 13, and we're going to talk about lament. Now, I've laid this sermon out a little differently than I normally would, um, because what I'm going to do is actually, our, our outline, our four points are, Points of biblical lament, elements of biblical lament and what that looks like. And so we're going to talk about those elements. That'll be the outline. I mean, in each point, we will look to Psalm 13 as an example um, of seeing King David doing that. Um, So as we do that, um, I want to tell you this um, because... Back, um, back in uh, when, uh, seven years ago, six years ago, when my wife was really struggling um, with, with physical pain and things, um, I started thinking more about things I had learned in seminary. You know, you learn about lament, but you don't really think about it until you're actually going through it sometimes or going through it with others. And so started there. Then in COVID, I read a lot about lament um, during that. Um, and so I tried to find, I'm I'm confident I probably read what I'm sharing with you today somewhere. I tried to find that so I could give credit to it, but I couldn't find it. So if you do, let me know and I'll give credit, okay? Uh, But it's helpful to look at this today and to look at these elements of lament. And the definition we're gonna use today, um, just go ahead and and, um, see this, is that lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust in Jesus. A prayer in pain that leads to trust in Jesus. So the first element of lament is that we go to prayer. Sometimes um, this prayer will be almost inarticulate. It's often not even a a composed prayer um, or a clear prayer or a thought out prayer. We go to prayer in the messiness. It's better, I promise, than being fake or refusing to talk about it. You remember what Jesus said? Come to me, all you who have it together and figured out. No, he didn't say that. In case you've not read the Bible yet, here's what Jesus said. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalm 13, which we're looking at this morning, is a psalm of David. And in this psalm, David goes to prayer. So I'm going to read that prayer in its fullness now. Um, It's six verses from Psalm 13. And this is God's word. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I had prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This prayer, um, obviously, we see in it that David feels very distant from the Lord, very far from him. Most commentators agree that, that this is a time when David, um, he'd already been anointed king, but Saul was still reigning as king. And Saul didn't want David to become king, so Saul was pursuing David. And in 1 Samuel um, chapters 22 through 28, you can read about that at some other time, we see David fleeing from Saul and he's, he's fleeing from cave to cave and he's, he's out um, in the wilderness and he feels he has men with him, but there's this loneliness, this God, where are you? And that's what we hear expressed here. But David is sad, perhaps even angry. But instead of pretending he has it all together, he goes to prayer in the messiness and in the confusion, in the brokenness of the world around him. Well, let's pause on that for a minute. When we're in pain, what do we try to do to make the pain better? Maybe it's immersing ourselves in sports or binge-watching Netflix, or immersing ourselves just in some form of busyness, or in our work, or substance abuse um, with alcohol or something else, or physical pleasure in some way. But what always happens? Those things might numb the pain briefly, but it comes back, doesn't it? None of those things soothe our hurting hearts. The anxiety and endless loop of disappointed feelings, it just continues. But when we're in pain and disappointment, our first step of lament is to turn to the Lord, not all those other things. Turn to our Father. And the prayer can begin something like this. Lord, I don't understand, and I am deeply hurting, but I'm crying out to you. So the first element of lament is that simple, we go to prayer. The second element is what we do starting in that prayer. We share our concern. Express our concerns before God bluntly. I've used this phrase before. Um, this is, this is this, uh, not original with me, but I know who it came from because I heard it a lot growing up. My father told me often, God is a big boy. He can handle what you say to him. We go to him bluntly with our questions, our fears, our frustrations. 
Do, y'all, do we realize that? That we can come to God with the questions of our hearts. The questions we see here, has God forgotten to be gracious to me? That's from Psalm 77, 9. Or is God there? It's kind of what David's crying out here. Or why has he forsaken me? Psalm 22. Here we see David expressing his concern or his complaint in verses one through two. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long? How long? How long? He says that he's taking counsel in his soul. The NIV says he's wrestling with his thoughts. And I think what's happening here is when he's, when he's alone, when does that normally happen for us? You know, at night. You know, some of you, it's when you're trying to go to sleep and you can't go to sleep because you're wrestling with your thoughts and there's all these things and there's nobody else talking to you and so this stuff's just spinning. For some of us, it's when we wake up in the middle of the night that happens um, where we're just wrestling with these things and, and we're considering these things. And, he's, and David's this picture, like I, I'm considering these things um, in my soul, this counsel in my soul. And then, it's, and then it's, um, I come up with this plan. I, I think about, I consider how I should move forward and I'm really trying hard here, Lord. But when I try the things I thought of at night, none of them work. Didn't work in the day. Instead, I have sorrow in my heart all the day long. At the end of verse two, it's like the enemy seems to be winning. This can't be right. This is not what I thought you were doing, Lord. How can this be? And Lord, it seems like an inordinate amount of time since I felt you near to me. That's what he's crying out. It is the the core of what's going on in his heart. But I think that this goes against much, what, much of what we've learned, this crying out what's really going on in our hearts, that it goes against much of what we've learned by teaching or by observation in our Christian subculture. But in Scripture, we are encouraged to express our concerns, our hurts, our pains before God. We have models of that. The chief model of that is Jesus. Remember what he said on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cries that out. That's from Psalm 22.1, which is a psalm of lament. Even Jesus did it. So, first element of lament is to go to prayer. The second is to share our concerns. The third is to ask God to act. At the same time that we are expressing our concerns, we also ask God to be faithful to his promise from Hebrews 13, five, that he will never leave us or forsake us. He will stay near to us even when circumstances make it feel he's far off. Y'all, pain, hurt, It creates disappointment. 
Lament gives us the language to express the pain and to renew our hope at the same time. It frees us to ask for hope over and over again. Instead of taking the approach of, well, I've asked for hope, so now I just need to move forward and see what happens. No, instead of that, it frees us to ask for hope over and over and over again. But don't we all, like, when, when God seems distant, maybe I won't put it on everyone, but a lot of us, when God seems distant, instead of calling out to him, we kind of just, we, we try it, but then it's kind of like, well, we tried that. Oh, well, I guess I got to figure out how to fix this myself. We may not say it, but we act that way. The problem with this for the believer, for the follower of Jesus, is that God said, no, come to me. Keep coming to me. Because he's the one that promises to be with his people. For David, when God seemed distant, he called on him to answer him. And so instead of turning from God, he turned to God. Instead of complaining to men about God, because what good was that going to do? He complained to God. Look at verses three and four. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David's expressing here what little bit of um, this, that, that he has very little strength left. The Hebrew word for, or the Hebrew phrase for like approaching death is that the eyes are growing dim. And so what David's saying here is, Lord, my eyes are growing dim. Light up my eyes. But understand why he's doing this. He's saying, Lord, act according to your promise. And here's a distinction David had, is God had promised, he had anointed him as king and promised that he was going to use him for his people. And David's saying, Lord, that's what you said you were gonna do, but, but if you don't do something here, then my enemies are gonna rejoice because of what has happened to me. And so David's asking God, who seemed distant, to remember his promises to act. Lament frees us to ask for hope, to ask God to act again and again and again. Instead of, well, I asked for hope about this, so now I just need to trust him and I can't ask again. After all, wouldn't that be a lack of faith? The gift of lament is that it gives us the freedom to ask for hope again and again because of what Jesus has done to call his people to himself. And so the first elements go to prayer. The second is share our concerns. The third is ask God to act. And then the fourth is that we decide to trust. Over and over, we are renewing our trust. In Jesus. That is the direction of lament. When I think about lament, um, 
You know, I, I think I, I hate roundabouts. Um, and, I, and I always have this nightmare of just getting stuck on the roundabout and going round and around and around and around and around, right? And sometimes we treat this, when we come to it, like if we just come to it from a secular perspective is, well, we just need to understand our grief and we go around and around and around and around and around and around, but there's no off-ramp. We need to go around. We might need to go around more than once or twice or three times, but there's a direction. And I would think of it less of a roundabout and more of a road. And that there is a direction in our lament. And that direction is toward Jesus. It's toward a faithful God. It's returning to our God who can receive it. And who can receive us. A lot of times when we think lament and mourn, it feels antithetical to trust in Jesus. But in fact, when we can mourn to God and be real and tell him how we feel and wrestle in those things with him, it's actually an affirmation that we know the Jesus who has said he will never leave us or forsake us. We may not feel it right now, but we know him and it's an affirmation of our trust in him. Because he knows the depths of our heart already. He already knows those things we feel. And even then he doesn't leave us. You know, when my kids were little, we'll go back and use a kid illustration again. When they'd fall and get hurt, and I'm not talking about the times that they'd fall and I'm looking at them like, you fell on really soft grass, you just want attention. I'm talking about the times they'd fall and actually get hurt, right? And they'd fall and get hurt and they would cry out and they would run to me and you would you, you'd pick them up right in your arms. Many of you have had this experience. You pick them up in your arms and you know what happened. You saw it happen. Might be some blood running down their leg, whatever, right? You saw it happen. But you say in their tears, you say, what, what happened? And they tell you what happened. And in telling you what happened and in you holding them, they know that their pain has been heard, it's been recognized, it's been noticed, and that you're loving them in it. That's a picture of what God does he knows what's going on in our hearts. And we express it. And he says, I hear you. And we receive that in his arms. We can do that because it's not a roundabout of sorrow. It's a, it's a, prayer and pain that leads to trust in Jesus. Look how David responded in verses five and six. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has, dwelt, he has dealt bountifully with me. That love that's mentioned there, that steadfast love, we say it a lot around here, is that chesed love, that covenant Love of a faithful God who never fails his people. 
That's the God we look to. That's the God who sent his son that we might know these promises are true because he laid down his life for his people. And so lament includes, but it's more than tears and sorrow. It turns to the Savior who promised to return. It cries out what we long for in Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard that you know this well, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they, he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It's a prayer in pain that leads to the Jesus that's doing that. That leads to a trust in him. When Aiden first started walking through this journey, we'll talk a lot more about this in the future. And and I'm going to say this up front. If Aiden knew, thought that I was going to do anything that made it sound like he was perfect in all of this, he'd smack me if he could. <laughs> okay? But he did walk in faith. When he first began this journey or early on, he put a note above his bed, said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I was talking to him last Sunday. I said, what, what would you want students particularly, but others to know? And he's, he said, well, I didn't want cancer. Thank you, Aiden. And he had plenty of times of wrestling with that. But he said, I would want people to know that it's not until you understand in your life that we will all die, that you're free to really live with the joy and trust in Jesus. He prayed in pain. He cried out in pain. But his family can tell you, many of you just can tell you that it continued to grow and lead his faith in Jesus. And y'all, we don't have to wait until we're struck with cancer to, to have that same faith. To cry out in the pain. Part of me wants to ask, raise your hand if, you've had, if you're experiencing pain in your life right now. Because I know, I'm looking around this room and there's so many of you. Prayer and pain leads to faith in Jesus. Let's be honest with him. And let's look to him together. As we prepare for the Lord's table, I want to give you a couple minutes to at your seats just express, express before the Lord anything, any struggles or pain you feel. And then we're going to come to his table and we're going to look to him together. If you're here today and you're actually 
feeling pretty joyful. I want to ask you, as, as part of those who are gathered here today, I want to ask you, um, if that's where, how you feel today, that's fine. But I want to ask you to pray for others. Um, you may not even know people by name, but pray for others um, who are experiencing um, this pain. Pray for the Curcio family. And then let's look to Jesus together um, in his table. Let's pray. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.